Welcome, 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 welcome. Well, we are so excited to be in the faith series. Um, and how many guys know that our, the foundation of what we believe, man, is built on faith? And so uh, we are excited to have you with us today for the second part of our faith series before we get into it, um, because we are here in L.A., um, Lower Alabama. Uh, we wanted to, right, some of y'all are catching on. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, I want to do, uh, I've been stumbling across Billy Bob jokes, and so we wanted to throw one at you real quick before we get started. So Billy Bob is out fishing one day, out fishing one day, and um, so he's out there fishing, and he gets the catch of his life. How many of you guys like to fish? Anyone who like to fish? All right. So he, is, he gets the catch of his life. I mean, I'm talking about this thing is a monster, right? And so he gets it, he puts it in his huge uh, ice chest, and, it, and it's full of water, so the fish is still alive, and so he gets it, and he hauls it back to his truck, and he puts it in his truck, and, and uh, right about the time he puts it in his truck, man, the game warden comes pulling up, and he's just like, oh, no. So the game warden pulls up, and he says, let me see what you caught, and so he opens it up, and he says, man, you know this thing is illegal. He says, warden, this is my pet. I didn't catch it. I, this is my pet fish, and the warden says, get out of here, man. He says, no, it's my, I'll prove it to you. It's my pet. Come on. I'll release it in the water, and I'll call his name. He'll come right back to me. The game warden says, no way. He says, come on, I'll show you. So he takes down the water, and he puts a fish in the water, and it swims off. He says, come here, boy, come here. And the warden says, the fish ain't coming back. He looked at him and said, what fish? So. Yeah. Well played, Billy Bob, well played. That has absolutely nothing to do with faith, but I just figured you guys could use that today, all right? So... Let's get into it. Faith, part two. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about so the world can see. How many guys know the world needs to see Jesus, man? The world needs to see Jesus. And so uh, we want to talk about today so the world can see. And we're going to spend some time in James, but we're also going to spend a lot of time looking at the Apostle Paul. And let me tell you guys something. At this point in my life, if I feel like there's anyone in the Bible I can relate to, it's two guys. It's Job and Paul right? So Job, like, he felt like, I mean, he had the life, you know, and all of a sudden, like, everything's gone, right? And, um, and then Paul, and Paul left uh, a, a good life, but a life of sin and torturing Christians, but he had it made within that life, and went to a life, when he was Saul became Paul, into a life of uh, affliction and pain and suffering. And so when I look, man, sometimes, like, in this particular part of our journey in life, I can connect to the words in Paul where he's like, man, I suffer great affliction, you know? And I'm like, yes, that's me, yes, that's me, you know? Um, and so in doing so, what we wanted to present, and just, here, let me give you this. This is, this is a glimpse into the life of Paul, okay? He was whipped with 39 lashes five different times, beaten with rods three different times, pummeled with stones one time, shipwrecked three times, adrift at sea for a day and a night. He had dangers from rivers, robbers, people, Gentiles, an entire city, the wilderness, and the sea, and false brothers, not to mention toil and hardship, sleepless nights. He was always hungry and thirsty. He was plenty of times cold and exposed. And the pressure uh, for anxiety for all the churches was constantly part of his journey. That, so that's Paul. So sometimes, like, when I need encouragement, I'm like, man, I just need to read some of Paul's stuff. Like, oh, yeah, my life's not that bad. <laughs> okay. You know, so, like, I do that with Paul all the time. Why? Well, we're not, what I'm not telling you is that the Christian journey is all pain and suffering because that's not the case, man. We are blessed people. And if you are following Jesus, you have an amazing life in Christ. What I am telling you is that blessing is not exempt from trouble, my friends, and that we are going to go through 
through hardships. We are going to go through pain. We are going to go through sufferings in our life, things that we don't understand. And quite frankly, things we cry out to God saying, what in the world are you doing up there? At the beginning of this journey, I told God, I said, choose me to do your work. (laughs) Now I'm saying, choose him to do your work. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm done being chosen. Stop choosing me. So let's get into it today. We're going to start out 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Go ahead and get your notes out. Uh, We're going to be using those today. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, Paul writes and he says, but he said to me that my grace is sufficient for you. How many guys appreciate grace, right? Praise God. I want want to go ahead and write this down because some people have been asking the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve, but grace is getting what you don't deserve. There's a nugget for you. Tweet that, young people, okay? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. So what Paul is saying in his writing is that it is not our capabilities or our strength, our abilities that we boast in, but our weakness and our troubles and our tribulations are what we boast in. But why would we boast in troubles and in tribulations and in sorrow? Why would we, in moments of affliction at that time, take pride? Because we are taking pride in the fact that it is not about our accomplishments or what we're able to do, but it's what Christ is able to do in us and through us. So there's three things that we want the world to see in your notes um, as we're showing the message of the gospel. The first one is that we have to recognize is that my life is not about me. Amen. That my life is not about me. I was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine this week and they were asking, you know, they were just talking about they're in a place in trials in their life. And simultaneously, myself and my wife, obviously, we're going through what we're going through with our son. And it's hard, man. It is hard. And they came to me and they said, why, you know, how are you pushing forward and pushing forward? I said, man, because my life is not about me. When I surrendered to Jesus, I came to a place where I said, Lord, I want your glory and your gospel to go forward into every person that I come in contact with. And so what we have to do is we have to uh, escape the idea that we are the center of the universe, right? So Jeremiah 10, 23 says this, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps, right? Now, all the husbands in the house know that it's for our wives to direct our steps, right? But joking, kind of. Uh, So... We have to escape this idea, man, that our life, that the universe, you know, we sometimes when we're praying to God, we're praying like, Lord, let everything rotate around my will and my desire. You know, like, Lord, if you could do this on my behalf and you could do that and you could make this happen, make this happen. And God's like, you do realize that I have a much grander plan than just your life. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's a lot of other people, too. And and we have to understand that our life is not about us. Recognize that our life is only beneficial from the perspective of what God wants to do through us. And so, like, if you could stretch a rope, if if we stood right here and we stretched a rope and went into space, not even going with the 
the shape of the world, but just went into space that way and kept going. And the rope went into space that way and it kept going. You took a marker and you just created a small line on that rope. That's our life in the perspective of eternity. Yet somehow we get engulfed in our problems, thinking that in the spectrum of eternity, our life has that much gravity. And what we have to understand is that our life is not about us. Our life, once we get saved, is only beneficial to the sake of what the gospel presents to the world. In other words, what is your moment of affliction? What is your moment of pain? What is your moment of trials going to do for the sake of the gospel? Are you going to go into a clam? Are you going to go into a, 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 a hole in the ground or a cave and, and guard yourself and whine about your problems? Or are you going to finally embrace the idea that Jesus literally controls the universe? And again, man, the beginning of this message is kind of rough, but I want you guys to understand that trials are going to come. You're going to have more good days and you're going to have bad days, but you're going to have bad days. That's just life, right? But in spite of that, we have to understand that the entire world rotates with words from the King of Kings, right? He spoke the sun, moon, and stars into place. He created man from clay. Are you following me right now? Your problems aren't that big of a deal for the Almighty. So let's just grasp that idea. Number two, is that I walk the talk. I walk the talk. How many guys will acknowledge we got enough people talking about Christianity? We need some more people walking it out. Amen. Praise God. We got enough people on street corners throwing words around. We need some people that are ready to walk out the gospel and what it really looks like to be saved, what it really looks like to be a Christian. So James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but we have to actually do what it says. Like we have to walk out this gospel. It's vital that we understand that telling people that are hurting about Jesus isn't nearly as important as showing people Jesus, when we're hurting. Amen. Let me break that down for you a little farther. If, you, if your life is going great, it, that's like a millionaire walking up to you and be like, man, what you need to do is have faith and God will give you money. It's like, that's easy for you to say because you already have money. You know, like your bank account's deep, bro. Like, so, and it's the same thing. When, when, you're, when your life is going well and everything's going well and you're like, people walk up to you and you're like, you know, man, you just got to have faith in Jesus. It, it, it helps but it's not until you start going through trials and it, in that moment, you cling to Jesus and you stay faithful. So as the world crumbles around you, the only pillar that you stand on is the hope and glory that comes from Jesus Christ. And so as you stand in faith on Jesus, the world can crumble around you. And when, the, when you go out into your workplace and you're telling people, you gotta believe in Jesus, man, it's about faith. And it's about understanding that God is amazing. He's a great God. He's a capable God. He's a powerful God. You tell people that, but when people watch you live it, now your words mean something. Don't tell me God's great when your life is going well. Show me God's great when your life is not. So it's time people start living the gospel when they preach the gospel. Amen. So, man, let's just do that. Philippians 1, 12 through 14 says that I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah, because of Jesus. That piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus 
here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and about Jesus. So Paul's saying, like, listen, I know they put me in here to try to shut me up and try to squelch the gospel and try to make sure the name of Jesus didn't go forward. <laughs> but it had the opposite effect, friends. In fact, people are now going like, man, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of pain, in the midst of imprisonment, you are holding on to the truth of who Jesus really is. And in holding on to that truth, that means that the power has to really be alive in you. And Friends, when we go through pain, when we go through persecution, when we go through troubles in our life, holding on to Jesus is what lets people see Jesus. I really hope you guys are grabbing a hold of it. I don't know about you. This is good stuff for me, whether it is for you or not. That it doesn't, that standing on faith when you need faith means a lot more than standing in faith when you don't. The third thing is that God is both sovereign and good. Number three, God is both. We want the world to see that God is both sovereign and good. Tim Keller has a famous quote, and uh, man, it, it has strengthened me and encouraged me in times when, quite frankly, I needed it. Tim Keller put this quote up. It says this, that there are two huge lies that are detrimental to the Christian faith. First is that God is good, but he is not all powerful. In other words, he's a good God. He loves you and he wants to take care of you and you are his child, but he's not all powerful. And sometimes we think of God like a janitor going behind Satan, cleaning up all the messes that he couldn't stop in the first place. Like, oh, I didn't see that trouble coming. I didn't see that pink slip coming. Let me go ahead and try to fix it real quick. No, no, no. If anything happens to you, it's because God allows it, not because Satan created it. All right. But the first is that God is good but that he's not all powerful. That's lie number one. The second lie is that God is all powerful, that he's not good. And some of you have been crying out to God, sitting at the end of your bed saying, God, why me? How come you don't love me anymore? How come you don't care about me? What did I do wrong? And we have to come to the realization today that God is both good and all powerful. That nothing catches him by surprise. Nothing, he didn't, Satan didn't pop up with some plan. God's like, you know what? I didn't see that one coming. That God is both all powerful and he loves you because he's good. He is good. It reminds me of the joke about the guy on the roof. Some of you guys may have heard this before. Guys, it's, there's a flood coming, and how, now Pensacola now knows what a flood really looks like. You know what I'm saying? All the Ruby Tuesdays shut down. What in the world? But anyway, so, but um, the flood rolls in, right? And so we, we, saw the, we saw the flood come in. So there's a guy, there's a story of a guy, he's sitting on the roof, and the flood's coming, man. The waters are rising, and a boat comes by to get him, and uh, he says, no, Jesus is going to save me. And uh, so they're like, okay, then we'll see you later. So they drive off. And, and so the water's coming up some more, coming up some more. And another boat comes by and they're like, get in the boat. You know, and he's like, no, Jesus is going to save me. I have faith. Jesus is going to save me. And they're like, okay, well, they go on and they go to save. And then, so the water's rising and it's literally like he's the water edge is at his feet and a helicopter comes by and they drop a rope down and they're like, grab the rope, climb to the helicopter. And he's like, no, Jesus is going to save me. And so he dies gets to heaven, and he says, Jesus, I thought you were going to save me. He said, I sent two boats and a helicopter. What else are you looking for, right? That sometimes we're just like trying to grab for stuff in life, and God's like, yo, I've already sent the answer. Like, I've already sent the answer. 
And I'll go ahead and tell you this ahead of my notes. The answer's already in his word, folks. Friends, the answer's already here. It's found in him. So, but yeah, God is good, and he's all-powerful. He can send you some boats and a helicopter if he has to. God is good, and he's all-powerful. So I want to give you five have-tos, five have-tos of faith. Number one is that we have to ask for faith. The Bible says that there is a level of faith that is granted into salvation because salvation requires a level of faith. Following Jesus (laughs) requires faith. And when you first jumped into this journey, it's like, all right, so I'm going to believe in someone I can't see, that I can't hear. Right. You know what I mean? Like the beginning of this journey. But how many guys know once you get into this journey, oh, you can see it and you can feel it. And you can hear it. I love, Dave. I love Dave's testimony where he says he got in his car and he's like, a voice is like, you need to get back in there. And talking to, for some of you guys haven't seen, go on the website and watch Dave Bale's testimony. It's awesome, first of all. Um, but he says, there, and after talking to him, he's like, yo, I literally like, looked over my shoulder. Like, is there someone in this car with me right now? Because how many guys know you hear the voice of God once you know it? Amen. So, but we, uh, we have to ask for faith. So when we join into this journey, uh, we start out with a level of faith, but we ask God, God, give me more faith. Like, give me the ability to stand on. Mark 9, 23 is like my, is like my pillar scripture right now, where the man, uh, man brings his son to Jesus who is possessed. And he goes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, can you heal him? And Jesus is like, can I? Like in, a, in our men's group, we have a joke where like I, I was paraphrasing. I was like, can I? I'm Jesus, fool. You know, but like, that's obviously not what he said. But he, that, I like to think of Jesus like that. You know what I'm saying? So, but he was like, can I? Anything is possible to those who believe. And so we have to ask for faith. God, give us faith. And then the, the guy goes on to say, all right, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, like I have faith, but I'm gonna need you to like, help boost what I do have because there are days I wake up that I don't know how I'm going to get through this. There are days I wake up and this is too much for me to bear. And there are days that you obviously see more in me than I see in myself. How many guys know that's the truth, right? So we have to push through and push through and find ourselves in a place to acknowledge that, Lord, our life is not about me, but it's about people seeing you in me, even in the hard times and in the good times. So we have to ask for faith. James 1, 5, and 6 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Friends, when you put your faith in God, you have to completely put your faith in God. How many guys have ever seen someone like go to do something, but they didn't fully commit? Yeah. I'm saying, I'm not going to name anyone. But on Thursday at rehearsal, we have someone, they were going to go do a dance move, but they bailed at the last second. So like they had the walk, right? Like they walked into it like they were fixing to do it, and then they like bailed and they just kind of like did this number right here. And I was like, you didn't fully commit to that. It was hilarious. But guys, we have to fully commit to following Jesus. We have to fully commit 
to trusting him, even when we don't see how God's going to get us out of situations and circumstances. And so he says that if we doubt, we're like the waves that are tossed around. How many guys know the winds of life come, right? Like winds happen, pain happens, and it blows us around. And when we doubt God, we're just getting blown around like the sea, like waves crashing around. I don't, God's good. Oh, maybe he's not so good. Oh, maybe. No, like we have to stay rooted in who God is. We have to be a rock in the midst of the sea and stand strong on who he is. Because James 1, 7, the very next verse says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You want to know why you ain't seeing breakthrough in your life? Because you're double-minded all the time. You need to stand on a rock, friend. Well, number two is that, so the first one is we have to ask for faith. The second one is that we have to believe in faith. We have to believe in that faith. I would even venture to say that we have to have faith in our faith. I was talking to someone yesterday, or not, last week, and I was talking about that I believe that there is a, there is a faith that we have, and then there I believe that there is a faith of God within us. And I, the analogy that I used is that God's faith is like potential energy. It's almost like a stick of dynamite. It always exists. God's ability always exists. The ability for that dynamite to blow up always exists. But our faith creates the spark on the wick that ignites that potential power of God in our life, that God is always able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could think or imagine, but our faith has to ignite what God is fully capable of to come to fruition in our life. So we have to believe in faith. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of glory, we have to understand, church, that we have been justified through the very faith that I'm telling you we have to believe in in our time that we need it. That the same faith that now, the same faith that now allows our spirit to be resurrected in Christ as new creations is the same faith that we stand on in the moments of trials and tribulations. So what I would tell you is this, when you're going through hardships and you're going through pain, allow that same faith that allows you to know that you're saved in Jesus Christ to be the same faith that allows you to stand on the rock in the midst of the waves. Because too many of us are buying into Christianity, but not the power that rests in God. Some of us are like, yo, uh, that heaven thing sounds good and that hell thing sounds bad. I'm going to choose the first one. And we live our whole life just trying to make it. And we never tap into the true power of God that is available in our lives. For us, it's strictly a heaven or hell issue that when Jesus said, I came to bring life, I came to bring eternal life, but then he turns and says, and to bring life more abundantly, the breakdown is that Jesus comes in and says, I came to bring life, that you could have an eternal life found in glory through Jesus Christ, but I also came that you could have a more abundant life here on this earth. So we have to understand that, that God is, and in that we have to recognize the attributes of God. I'm really excited about next week because we're going to go deeper into this, but I want to just give you a small nugget so that you'll come back next week after I get done with this. So, but <laughs> that, that the attributes of God, that God is an omnipresent God. That God. What that means is that God is everywhere. He's in all places. 
and all things. He is everywhere and knows all things. Let me tell you who's not omnipresent, the enemy, the devil. And I know we amen that, but how come we don't act like it? Man, the devil is just eating my lunch today. We're running out of coffee this morning. Oh, the devil's on me this morning. I can already tell. I've heard some of y'all talk. I know exactly. Man, the devil's, and we, every time, around every bush, the devil's just there ready to wreck our day. No, it's just life. If you didn't buy more coffee, you ran out of coffee. The devil didn't empty your coffee pot. But yet we somehow managed to like give all this power over to the enemy, right? And so people, especially in churches, man, I see it all the time. They're like, the devil's in that soundboard. It's like, well, the devil was in the soundboard in Africa like an hour ago. He travels fast, apparently, because, no, see, the devil's not omnipresent. He's in one place at one time. He can take on one person and one task at one time. And so we have to stop, stop letting life situations Stop giving the enemy credit for something he doesn't deserve. Right? But even above that, even if it is, even if you, out of the millions of people on the earth, the devil chose you one day. Right? But if he did choose you, you know who's victorious over the enemy? The Almighty. Amen? And that's the day that you just... You know, that you just lean on faith. I'll never forget back in my bad days. In my bad days, uh, you know, when someone would try to challenge, you know, was acting like they wanted to fight me or whatever. I didn't really worry about it because I knew who stood behind me. You know what I'm saying? Like I had some bad dudes standing behind me, you know. Like some of those dudes I still have on my speed dial just in case. I'm just kidding. So (laughs) I had some guys that were fully capable of taking care of both themselves and someone else. And so, like, I was never concerned when I would walk through bad areas because I'm just like, I ain't worried about it. I know who's got my six, right? Some of us need to start walking through life that way. Some of us are walking through life waiting for, the, waiting for a, a, you know, someone to jump out of every bush and knock us down and take our cookie and all this other stuff. And we're, <laughs> we're crying about everything bad going on in our life. Let me tell you something. If you know who's got your six, you don't have to worry about anyone stealing your cookie, my friend. You can just walk with faith through life with a squirt gun in your hand waiting for the devil to chop out like, bam, got you, bam, got you. Bam. Listen, I'm telling you guys, I'm not telling you that it's easy. What I'm telling you is when you have faith in God, God can make it easy because he's fully capable of handling your situation. It didn't catch him off guard. He is not shocked by, I didn't know that was coming. No, he knew it was coming and he's fully capable of handling whatever tribulation is going on in your life. He can rise you above it because he is the rock that you get to stand on, friends. So, Number three is that we have to persevere with faith. We have to persevere with faith. James 1.4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We have to understand that this life is going to bring trials and it's going to do all that stuff, but our perseverance through pain is what presents the gospel. Perseverance through pain. Because if you're so wrapped up in your world that your ability to see hurting people stops because you're hurting, that's not Jesus, friends. You, wanna, you want the prime example of what Jesus is? Just look at him on the cross. 
hands or nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, naked in front of the world, and a thief cries out to him. And in the midst of that pain, he looks over and says, I'll do one better than forgiving you. Or I'll do one better than remembering you. You'll be with me in paradise. The church, even when we're in persecution and we're hurting, we have to show the world Jesus. Because they still need him. James 1.12 says that blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. Number four is that we have to live by faith. We have to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith and not by sight. Amen. Hebrews 11:1 1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. That our faith has to be the very essence of what we hope for. And guys, we need to start we need to start hoping and having faith for the impossible and not just acknowledging what is possible. Because so many people are just like, I don't see how God's going to do this one. It's like, because you saw how God was going to do the last one? No. That's why he's God, church. I don't know how God's going to get us through this one. The beauty is you don't have to. Pastor says it all the time. I don't know how gravity works, but if I jump off this building, you feel me? You better hope you're not under me, you know? <laughs> Six two two eighty comes down hard, you know what I'm saying? Listen, that we have to believe for the impossible when all we see is what is possible. People keep asking us all the time, I don't know how you and Ashley are doing it. I don't know how you and Ashley are doing it. I tell them, I don't know how we're doing it either, to be honest with you. <clears throat> it's all about God. You know? It's all about leaning on him and trusting him and knowing that, listen, even though my eyes don't see it, in the very, as, soon as, we got our, as soon as we got our phone call um, that was the, hands down the worst phone call I've ever got in my entire life about Jabin, the first thing I did, the Lord brought to my memory, is you've already seen me raise one person from the dead. And he can irritate me better than anyone else in this church. I'm talking about my brother for all you first-time guests. But when Tommy got in his motorcycle accident, I sat in that doctor's office and they said, he's not going to make it through tonight. And then the next day he said, They're not, he's not going to make it through tonight. And the next day he said, you need to sign his organ donor papers so we can go ahead and get ready to start donating his organs to whoever, you know, and send him around, whatever, whatever, whatever. But something in my spirit said, he's not, he, he shall not live. I mean, he shall not die. That was he shall not die. He lived. That might have been my spirit, but the Lord said no. <laughs> Boom! Flip that script. He said he shall not die, but he shall live. And that anchored like a rock in my soul. And every time I looked on him on that bed, I said he shall not die, but he will live. And we watched God take what every doctor that looked at him say he was going to die and raise him up. And it instilled in me the idea that it doesn't, matter what the, it doesn't matter what's possible with God. We need to look at the impossible. 
And I would even tell you this, that we're ta- that's talking about healing because in my journey right now, my trial, my tribulation right now, all we're looking for is the healing power of Jesus Christ that rests. And we know that it's completely possible and we're looking for it. But friend, for you, it might be that you just got, you lost your job and you know how you're going to make it tomorrow. It might be a pink slip. It might be that you lost your home. It might be that you, your children are going plumb crazy. That's just children, you just, you know, whatever. But it might, whatever it is in your life that God, you seem like he's abandoned you. You can't find him. You like Job, you look to the left, you look to the right, you look in front, you look, but I can't find him. You're in a position where you don't know how God's going to do it for you. Let me tell you something, friend, you got to stop looking at what is possible and start looking at the impossible and recognizing that through God, it is possible. Amen. So we just have to jump on that and so on that. So we have to live by faith, living beyond what we can see with our own eyes. And then lastly, we have to overcome through faith. We have to overcome through faith. We have to start recognizing that because of Jesus, we are victorious. We are overcomers because of Christ alive inside of us. And it, I'm just going to speak to some of y'all in this house real quick. Like when I see Christians sulking in sorrow, especially on social media, I just want to shake them. You want to know why? Because Jesus is all powerful. Let me tell you something. Nothing you encounter today, tomorrow, this week, next month, whatever is catching Jesus off guard. Number one. Number two, nothing you encounter in life is going to stop the creator of the universe from maintaining power in your life. Let me tell you something. If the sun, moon, and stars are resting in nothingness at nothing but the word of God, he can handle you. Okay? So start grasping the idea that the same power that raised Christ from the grave is alive inside of you. And if his word says that he would hold back no good things from his children, in spite of not understanding, in spite of pain, and in spite of circumstances, he's still God. So I might get in trouble for this one, but I'm just going to, I'm going to put it out there and I might have to fix it next week. But stop soaking in your pity party and start letting God reign supreme in your life. Second Corinthians four, eight through 12. I'm closing with this guys. We'll get ready to wrap it up. Second Corinthians four, eight through 12 says this. And I, I've read this scripture so many times, but I read it out of the message Bible the other day. And when I read it out of the message Bible, man, it like burned into my spirit. I'm telling you, like I was lit on fire for this. It says that, <clears throat> excuse me, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles. How many guys know? Phew, right. How many guys are just in that place right now? Like, man, I'm talking to you today. You just like, I can't get my leg up, but I, right? Check this out. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us trial and torture, mockery and murder, 
What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us that while we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. And we have to come to a place where we recognize that good church services aren't going to do it. Good programs aren't going to do it. Listen, church, the only way the world finds a solution to their problems is by watching you go through yours. Because what you cling to in the time of sorrow and pain, and don't get me wrong, church, listen, there are days I wake up and I get engulfed in the idea of the trial that's around me. But it doesn't take long that I look up to the heavens and I recognize that, God, you are fully capable. And it's like, I hear people all the time, it's like, Christians don't have bad days. They have good days and better days. I'm like, that's heresy and you're full of garbage. Because I have bad days, church. I do. It's just called life. But how many guys know that with Jesus, there's a better day? Right? Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? That we have to fully grasp the idea that, God, I don't want to go through pain. I don't want to go through trials. I don't want to go through suffering. But yet when I do, and it's going to happen, church, it's going to happen to you. Pain's going to come because you're not exempt from it. With Jesus, you're going to have more good days than you have bad days. And being a Christian lets you know that at the end of this journey, it's all going to be worth it. I run the race. I've kept the faith, right? They're just like Paul. We're going to go through all this, but at at the end of it, man, it's going to be worth it all. So don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you it's all doom and gloom. What I'm telling you is when you go through it, and you will, you cling to the hope that's found in glory, knowing that the world needs to see Jesus, the true power of Jesus. And it's not from what we say. It's from what we do when we're in the same boat they're in. And that's cling to the rock that's not tossed by the waves. Close your eyes, church. We want to pray for you one specific thing real quick that I feel like, I mean, some of you guys are in that place where the, the, the seas are, are raging, the wind is blowing all around you, and, and quite frankly, you've, you've spent so long just trying to keep your head above water, you don't know what it looks like to be in the boat anymore. You've been fighting so long, you forgot what victory looks like. Because the pain has just been too much to bear. But you're ready for God to just breathe freedom into this house and victory into this house. That last note, I don't know if I gave it to you or not, it's that we overcome through faith. You can write that down later. You overcome through faith. And it's time that you become an overcomer in this house today. You're not a victim, you're a victor. That's you in this house, just raise your hand. You're ready for God to make you a victor. You're tired of being the victim. You're tired of being run over. You're tired of being put down. But you're ready for God to breathe freedom and life back into you today. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every person that is in this house, God, that's felt like just time after time after time that they've been drowning in the sea of sorrow, drowning in the sea of pain. But God, it is time that you raise them up and place them on a rock that is not moved 
by the sea. It's not moved by the storm. It's not moved by the wind. But God, we stand firm on who you are. Give them peace. Give them strength. And give them joy today that every trial that we encounter, God, is part of your plan for the sake of glory and for the gospel. We embrace you today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes bowed, or your heads bowed and your eyes closed, church. We want to pray this. Some of you guys say, yeah, that's, that, that is me, or, or maybe it's not me. But if you don't have Jesus in your life, then you don't have a rock. Because Jesus is the only rock that you can stand on that doesn't move. He's always faithful. He's always strong. He's always there. And if you don't know him today, you say, I don't know Jesus. Or if you're on live stream watching today, you you say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him. I want to know that I stand on a rock and that that rock won't be moved. That when I, that when I can, the only thing, if I don't have anyone else to call, I can call on the name of Jesus and I know he will answer. I don't know him today, but I want to know him. Would you raise your hand? I don't know Jesus today, but I want to know him. I want to surrender my life to him. God bless you. God bless you. on live stream. What we're gonna do, church, we're all gonna pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart, you're saved. So say this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I know that your death and your resurrection, when you raised from the dead, you offered eternal life. So forgive me of my wrongs. Forgive me of my sins make me whole, make me pure. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that might have prayed here for the very first time. We celebrate with you. If you're on live stream, we celebrate with you.